when you're a nurse, you get a lot of anxiety and you're scared of a patient falling. But I feel like most places, the management understands that falls do occur and it's usually not the nurse's Ooh, I fault. Gotta go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my family can eat. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As nurses, we know your mental health matters. It's important to prioritize yourself. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences, then BetterHelp will match you with the right therapist. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash cup of nurses. As a nursing student or nurse, you know how important it is to have the right resources to help you succeed. That's why we invite you to check out our nursing resource page, where you can find freebies like our cheat sheets, travel checklists, favorite Amazon products, and more. In addition, you can purchase our merch and NCLEX guide. Don't miss out on these valuable tools to help you excel in your nursing career. Visit cupofnurses.com today. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cup of Nurses show here with your hosts, Peter and Matt, two nurses on a mission to change this world, one conversation at a time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If, if you find value in the show and want to join us on this mission, please share and review the show. It would mean absolutely everything to us. Cupofnurses.com for the latest info, updates, and what we're up to. And also, you could check out our resource page for a bunch of nursing freebies on there. For our Lifestyle Podcast, you can check out wearefrontlinewarriors.com. In this episode, we are going to talk about patient falls. We're going to share our experience when our patients fell. We're going to talk about how we felt, what we had to do. And we're also going to share some statistics and common reasons why patients fall at the hospital. I think this is one of the most scariest topics to talk about. I know death is. But death is something that's sometimes out of your hands, out of your control. You can't do things to prevent it. It's just mm-hmm. God in this case. When it comes to a fall, there's things you can prevent, things you, they can take and steps and action steps. And when they're missed, something happens, it, it freaks you out, man. The previous contract we worked at, they literally threatened with falls so much where they say they're going to terminate your contract. Mm-hmm. One fall. There's no buts. There's no excuses. You got to go. Yeah, sometimes I'm more worried about a patient falling than I am about them dying. Just because a patient doesn't just die all of a sudden. Usually things lead up to a patient death or they're really in a, in a serious problem. They really have have a really big issue going on, maybe a, a stroke, any kind of like giant comorbidity versus like a fall. A fall can happen whenever. A patient could have a bad dream and they could fall. A patient could, could turn and they could fall. A patient could be delirious, have delirium, be in a bathroom, could fall. So there's, I feel like there's, a lot more chances of a patient falling on you than a patient dying on you. But of course, if you're in the ICU and a patient is intubated, sedated, the chance of that person falling, probably low. Chance of dying is a lot higher. But on a typical hospital floor, the chances of somebody falling are a lot higher than somebody dying. 100%. That was like my first case when things like that happened was on the floor. So 
we're going to share some experience of our falls. Peter and I each had a fall. I've, I've had one. How about you? Just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. So let the stories rip. So this started probably like my first year as a new grad nurse. I was on an observational unit. So on an OBS unit, sometimes there's a lot of influx of patients where you might start your shift. There's like two patients, but it could go up to six in Chicago. So you're just getting influx of patients. And I had an older guy that was somewhat confused or Alzheimer's early on, family left, took care of him. I was running around. I'm pretty sure I didn't put a better alarm. Let's see. Details mm-hmm. are getting a little funny here. I, no, no, no. There was no better alarm because I walked in on him and he was. So I'm going to stop you. I hope we aren't incriminating ourselves in any way in this episode because <laughs> that would be some shit. Yeah, I know, right? It's all said in good faith. It's all said in good faith and take everything with a grain of salt. It may or may be true or falsify. You can't use this information in court. Or against us anyway. Yeah. I don't know if this is good enough as if taking a verbal or not before I share some, you know, share some, you know, scoop here of what's happening. I'm glad we think about that now instead of yeah. before I started talking. Yeah. And and yeah, I think I walked in on him and I saw him fall. It was like a late night after 12 o'clock. I'm trying to, you know, just round on my patient, see him fall. And I just like freak out as a new grad, freaking sweating, trying to figure out what to do. My my first intention was, oh my God, I don't want to be caught with the fall. What do I do? Let me just pick this guy up and put him back in bed and just like call it a day because he looks good. And, you know, I kind of first took a look in the bed. I didn't call anybody right away. I'm like, okay, like let, let's scope out this situation. <laughs> and I noticed he had like a little hit on his knee and it was a little, bleeding. A hit. Yeah, a bruise. he had a little bruise, little cut scrape on his knee. I noticed like a drop of blood on the floor and I'm like, okay, this is a lot more serious. Not something I should just try to lift the patient, put him back in bed. Let's escalate this to the chain of command. Told my charge. She came into the room, told the situation. So we called the resident. We called the house supervisor. They do their basic assessment to make sure there's no changes in LOC. He was confused to begin with, so it was hard to get a baseline of what's going on. So we just sent him down for a CT scan and ended up just calling the family and everything's okay. Afterwards, of course, we padded. Uh, the rails a lot more or try to plan the escape so he can't get away armed to bed alarm and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the first time I was really scared because I didn't want to, I thought something bad is going to happen to me where like they take you to the office and all that as a new grad, I don't want that underneath my belt and potentially affect from getting a first Daisy award and all this (laughs) stuff. So (laughs) yeah, I lost Daisy award. Darn. Yeah. I feel like it's when you're a nurse, you get a lot of anxiety and you're scared of patient falling, but I feel like most places, the management understands that falls do occur, and it's usually not the nurse's fault. It just the, the patient kind of messes up in some way. Yeah, we try to prevent things as much as we can, but but in like the defense of the nurse, it's usually the patient did something that they weren't supposed to, um, and that's what caused that fall. It's not yeah. like negligence or we don't care. It's just there's a lot of scenarios that, that can happen in hospital. People aren't in their home. They get delirious. I will talk about some of the most common ways of falling, about patient, about patients falling a little bit later. But there's so much scenarios that can happen. There's so much things that can go wrong with falls, and you just throw in some small delirium or just confusion, sundowning, and that just drastically increases the chance of that patient falling. So what do you have to do after after that fall? Yeah. So like I said, after chain of command happened, and we got a CT scan talk to the family, let them know that this patient was confused to begin with there where they wanted to know if everything's okay because I talked to them. 
and the rest of everything was settled. There was no acute brain bleed, and he just continued his, his day, put a little Band-Aid on his like knee where mm. he had that scrape, and I just continued my day. And then when the shift ended, I filled out a like a UOR, mm. is it, I don't know if it's called a UOR file or like an incident report. Like an incident report that just explained the chain of events that happened, what steps I took to prevent this to happen, and what happened afterwards. Mm. So. I can't recall if I got talked to or not. I think it was more of like a debrief mm. uh, with my charge f- a couple of days afterwards mm. to just make sure that she got everything right because she's the one that goes and pre- presents these cases and what we could have done differently. Yeah. Did you have to do like uh, any extra charting or like a prog support or just the incident report? Yeah, good good question. I just made a note. Mm. Hey, found found patient at 1800 or 1900, like um, 0100, whatever the time is on the floor you know, unknown um, injuries, described his mental status, uh, described how he talked to the charge, escalated chain of command, just like the little incident and the events that happened during that time. Mm. So it was very brief. And of course, this happened over six years ago, now that I've been a nurse for so long. So I'm trying to remember these, those little vague details to this, to this story. Uh, But yeah, it wasn't as bad as uh, me floating one time as an ICU nurse in the same hospital to another floor and there was like a very low map that was recorded by mm. a CNA. She didn't clear it off the computer and she rechecked the vitals, which was a better number. I left that one and it was just left in a chart that in the morning, the BPs were in the 60s or 70s, mm. nothing was done. I got more in trouble for that, mm. thinking that I'm um, exercising or practicing nursing outside of my scope of practice where I didn't call a physician and get a bolus, whatever, but. Mm. At the end of the day, it was my license, and she charted under my license that it was like a low BP, and there was no actions or interventions being taken. Mm. So that that's just my experience when it comes to the fall, or, um, when I was delegating something to a CNA and it wasn't done, and it came back on me. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. Like I feel like falls happen. Like there's always this goal of hey, zero falls, zero falls, but that's just not gonna happen. You'd have to literally strap somebody to the bed for them to not not fall. It's yeah. just you're not going not gonna to ever put them down to zero. It's be, We're not robots. Like, we're humans. Patients patients mess up. Staffing isn't always the best. You're not always sitting there with the patient. And even if there's a sitter, like, look how fast you, you could just stand up. Like, you have to have, have a, like, a response rate of, like, half a second to catch a patient. Because you can have a sitter in the room, one-on-one with the patient, but the patient freaks out and just gets up and falls right away. That takes, that's like a second. It's like, it's like half a second. You, you can't, you have to be literally like right there, right next to the patient. Yeah. Especially if you're in another room, the whole unit is busy. There's no, no one at the nurse's station. Sometimes there are secretaries. Peter's and I experience is mostly a night shift. There's usually no unit clerk, no secretary. You're handling everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Some floors don't even have CNAs. Like you have like four or five nurses running the show, like falls are bound to happen yeah. and you can't restrain everybody. Yeah. It's something that'd be great where there would be zero falls, but look at the quality of life that that patient is getting being strapped onto the bed and look at the risk that they're taking having restraints um, continuously on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, sh- I was going to sh- ask, how's your experience? Yeah. Um, it was very similar to yours. So, in my case, I had a patient that came in, it was a CWA patient. And this was a patient that was technically anal times four but was still confused. This patient was able to know who he was, he knew where he was, he knew what he was doing. Uh, completely anal times four, but if you ask other questions besides like a typical orientation questions, he was confused. Like he would just 
randomly sit up and he would not know why he's sitting up, but he'd still tell you all the anal, anal times four questions. So uh, someone with it. Yeah, someone with it. And he came for Siwa and this was a person that I gave the most Advan to ever in my life. And then they put this put this person on a Advan drip. At, we will be put him on it at like three, four o'clock in the morning. He felt like around midnight, one o'clock. But I was actually orientating somebody uh, when he fell. So I was in a cardiac step down unit and I had three patients and one of them was, was the CWA patient. And I knew he was going to be an issue because it was, he had a Foley and he was one of those where he felt a Foley in him and he felt like he had to go to the bathroom. And when you have one of those with, with confusion, then they want to get out of bed and they, they feel like they have to go to the bathroom. So they naturally want to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. So it was a little tricky because technically he was anal times four still because he was a, like responding to my questions completely fine, but he was completely still off. So it was like one of those kind of weird, weird scenarios where he, yeah, he's anal times four, but stuff that he do, he's doing and stuff that he's saying besides the orientation questions just didn't make any sense. And this happened to be, we had the four side rails up or two side rails up and we had the bed alarm on. And I would, I'd sat right in front of him so I could see him and I had the curtain closed a little bit just for a little bit of privacy. And every now and then I would, I would have to tell him again, like, hey, can you get back into bed? Because he, would, he wouldn't get out of bed, but he would like almost like lean over the side rail or try to sit up. And I had to keep reminding him, hey, stay in bed, stay in bed. And at this point in time, um, I stepped out of where I was sitting, checking a patient, and I came back and I sat down and I'm like, huh, like I don't see this, is, this guy here anymore. And I, yeah, and I walk in there and he's like, he's sitting on the ground like resting his back against the, against the bed. And I was like, oh, damn, he, he, he fell, he fell. And um, I had my RNT with me and it was, it was like the same thought with you. I'm like, damn, should I just pick him up? Should we just put him in bed? He does, nothing was, nothing was hurt. He had no, no bleeding, nothing. I asked him what happened. He's like, I fell on my ass. I was like, okay, fell on your ass, but I have an RNT here. I'm not gonna just hide this from happening. Like, first of all, that's not the right thing to do. Second of all, I literally have an orientee here. Like, how am I going to show his orientee that this is what I'm just going to do, right? So I'm, <laughs> so I'm like, you can't do it. You're going to lift him up, grab the legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even though I knew he was fine, then it seemed like he hit his head. I asked him, hey, did you hit, hit your head? No. And then he's like, hey, he's like, I was trying to go to the bathroom. And I explained the whole full situation. He's like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You, you knew, but you're confused. Keep, like, move it along. Um, <laughs> and then we brought him back into the bed, called the charge, had to call the house supervisor, had to get the NP. Um, everyone came in, did their assessments, and after that, even though he didn't hit his head, we still sent him down for the for the CT, just just to make sure that I know he said he didn't he didn't hit his head, but he's still a little bit confused. So we rather just rule out that there's no brain bleed because maybe he hit his head and he just sat up and he forgot that he hit his head. So we don't want to take any risks. So basically, that happened, and then similar to you, we had a little debriefing. Hey, what could you have done? What changed? Um, this and that, um, and it wasn't anything serious. I didn't get reprimanded from it for it. I didn't get in trouble for it. I just had to do that incident report at the end of my shift, and then I just had to little leave a little note and let the family know. Exactly, yeah. and when you do these incident reports, it's never against you to get you fired or and all that. It's all just for the safety. There's there's teams and there's people that look at this, look at the debriefments, and mm. see what we can improve in the organization as far as systems or organizations or checklists or handoffs, whatever it is to prevent this from happening. So it's all just, uh, I forgot the exact word is, but there's like those um, UB meetings mm. to, to have like um, debriefs. Every single hospital basically has it. Mm. 
But yeah, and with that patient, like it was giving me a, it was giving me a hard time all night. And then I kept asking him for, can I get some of the extra besides Ativan? And everyone kept, it was one of the things where everyone kept saying no. And I just keep giving him Ativan, I keep giving him Ativan. And you probably, I don't know if you remember, but there was like a picture that, that I sent to you one day when I was during, during that night. And there was like a, a bunch of vials of Ativan. And then there was like 12 vials of Ativan that I, that I gave him throughout the shift before he put, He's put him on. That yeah, bed. he withdrawn that bed that he put him on um, before he put him on the Ativan drip. And then it was crazy because like, we put on the Ativan drip and everything was fine. And we was on an Ativan drip for like maybe four hours. And then day shift came and freaked out like, there's an Ativan drip? Why is he on an Ativan drip? Because Ativan drips are not something that you see very commonly. And a physician did around is like, take him off the Ativan drip. <laughs> you know, so we took him off and then he was calm. And then like when I came back the next day, he got a report. He was, he was going wild. He was going wild. And they had and they put him back on an Ativan drip at around like 4, 5 p.m. Because they, they couldn't handle him. So it was one of those things where it was like, could this have, have been prevented if he got more medication? You know, maybe, maybe if if maybe somebody listens to my honest opinion of, of of what's going on and would have gave me what I was asking for, maybe it could have prevented. Maybe not. Who knows? But I feel like that's like a lot of cases too with with um, with patients like that where you ask for something because they're sundowning or they're going through withdrawals and medication is not working, and you ask and, pe- and physicians are are scared to give more medication because right. they're so used to just being within this threshold. There, there's like a standard practice mm-hmm. and three to six milligrams for this US score, but that's not always the case for somebody that's been using and abusing drugs for a long time yeah. like this guy maybe in this case. Right, yeah. And I and I had to limit the amount of Adam I was giving because like I said, he was technically eight times four, but he was still like confused, but just somehow still was eight times four. So it, like, that's kind of how that happened. Um, never had a fall ever since, knock on wood. Um, hopefully I won't have a fall ever again and hopefully you don't have a fall ever again. Yeah. And I hope not. And in this episode, we're going to also talk about the most common causes of falls and give you guys some statistics when it comes to fall education, because we have patients coming all the time where you hear stories during change of shift when the charger, the leaders talking about this fall happened, how it can prevent it. So it's something that happens uh, continuously in healthcare, even though there's like a statistics that falls occurred at three to 5% out of every, um, thousand bed days so it's a thing that's going to probably happen in your facility god forbid potentially to you and you just have to know what to do when you do have a patient that falls Hmm. what's up listeners did you have a long shift at work or a hard workout feeling dehydrated no worries we've got you covered with liquid iv liquid iv is a perfect solution for those wanting to stay hydrated without consuming all the extra sugar and artificial ingredients in sport drinks it's a hydration multiplier that provides two to three times more hydration than water alone. And guess what? As our listener, you can use the code CONPOD, C-O-N-P-O-D, to receive 15% off your order and free shipping. Are you looking for a fitness tracker to help you reach your fitness goals? Look no further. Whoop 4.0 is the ultimate fitness tracker, helping you optimize your workouts and recover faster. With personalized insights and metrics, you can track your progress and make sure you're getting the most out of your training. Simply sign up using our link and you'll receive a free WHOOP 4.0 and a month on us. So why wait? Team up with a community of nurses and take your fitness journey to the next level. Yeah, and they're a a big cost for the hospital as well. So if a fall happens, the hospital is technically responsible for for paying for for that cost, whatever CT they go for, whatever changes that the patient has, the facility has to pay for that. So this is why they're so anal and so always all up in your face about 
fall assessments, fall prevention scores, all this kind of stuff because they are liable for this no matter no matter no matter what happens. It has to be some kind of crazy scenario where the patient literally like jumped on you and then fell. Then that would probably wouldn't cover it. But if if a patient falls on you, the hospitals are responsible for paying for it. And it's just kind of how it works. That's why they're so in about it. That's why with, with everything else, with like certain sepsis protocols, um, caudies, collapses, all that. If a hospital is anal about something, that's only because they're having to pay for it. Yeah. If they get that money out of, out of insurance, they don't take such a worry about it because no matter what happens, they're going to get paid by insurance for, for it. But if the cost is then pushed on a facility, they're always going to be really, really strict on you doing all these measures to, to prevent this because they're going to get stuck with the bill. Yeah, especially with like SEPs, I think that's a new core measure that was added. And that's the podcast episode we could cover in the future is different core measures and how the the billing works for Medicare and hospitals and how you know it, it ends up in our hands mm-hmm. to worry about things and making sure protocols are done or sepsis and lactic is repeated in six hours because they get dinged for this and it affects, again, their pockets and that ultimately affects your pay raise and how you get promoted in your mm-hmm. hospital. Yeah, and about 10% of all the falls only result in serious injuries. So most falls aren't anything serious. They're they're low risk falls. They don't hurt the hurt, hurt the patient or they don't hurt the patient or they hurt them in like a minimal way or they don't hurt them at all. Hurt them at all. Ten percent doesn't sound like a lot, but still let's try to bring that down. And usually that ten percent is with like a serious case. Most of those ten percent are not just somebody maybe tripping, but it's more about yeah. it happens more when someone's confused, delirious, going through through withdrawals on like they're in a heavy disease state where yeah. a fall results in a, in a serious injury something something really serious has to happen yeah one, one case i just think about right now is when i was working a ortho unit uh there was a fresh uh, knee that came in they had a uh, pinning of the knee and she was just off a bunch of stuff right and she when there was bed alarms going off and monitors she thought that she was getting robbed mm-hmm. in her home because she had a past history of that so she was literally fighting for her life, trying to get out of bed because she thought a robber was home and she ended, she ended up falling and fracturing something in her knee or some area of her leg where she needed to get another surgery. Mm, yeah. And the family was so upset where they were pressing charges for that. But again, just like you said, that's like less than 10% of serious cases where it goes to that degree where you might have to go to court or the patient actually gets seriously harmed. Yeah, it's it has to be a crazy scenario where this happens. And that, like you mentioned, is definitely... Crazy scenario, but you want maybe we should touch up, touch upon a little bit of what you should do when your patient falls, just just in case you're maybe a, a new nurse or a new grad and has have an experience of fall. Hopefully you don't, but we'll just go over real quick on the things you should you should do steps you should take if a patient falls. So the first one is don't leave the patient alone if he falls on you. Call for help, hit the call light, just shout out of the room. Hey, can somebody help me? Have somebody but come there with you because the fall. Might be serious or might not be serious. Most of the time, it's not gonna not gonna be too serious, but still, don't risk you leaving the room, patient getting up and then falling a, a second time. Just oh, always stay with them. Treat it as like an MI. Treat it as like something is serious, seriously going on with the with the patient. Yeah. Then the next thing you want to do is assess the patient to see what happened. If they fell, did, are they having pain anywhere? Did they hit their he- uh, head anywhere? Get an honest assessment and baseline of uh, what's going on to see what happened and ask if they're alert and oriented to see how they felt, what was the chain of events because you're only taking subjective data at that point. Mm-hmm. The only objective data is when you're making a patient notice, found patient on the floor responsive mm-hmm. and then you could continue. So everything else is subjective to see 
if they hit their head and if there's any visible injuries. Yeah, and you can also ask them, hey, what happened? How'd you fall? Because sometimes patients are completely with it. They just happen to fall. Maybe they just, they had privileges to walk to the bathroom. They just happened to get up too quick, got lightheaded, sat down on the ground. It's considered a fall, even though they, even though they sat down, but they could tell you right away what happened. Hey, I got lightheaded. Um, I didn't know where the bed was, so I just sat on the ground. And yeah. now you got the, the whole history of what happened and now you don't gotta freak out as much. Yeah. Um, Third thing you should do is always notify a physician, your charge nurse, supervisor, just abide by your hospital protocol of what, who, who and what you should do when a patient falls. Yeah, the fourth thing, you may or may not from the physician or the resident get a CT scan depending on how bad the injury is. You wanna take them down and knock that out stat to make sure they're not bleeding or there isn't anything small, like a small hemorrhage, which what may lead to future LOC changes. Mm. And of course, you want to notify family. If the family's in the room, let them know, hey, we're going to take your, your family member down to CT. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Or if the family member wasn't was at the hospital and the patient's eight or times four, just ask them, hey, do you want me to call anybody and let them know you fell? Or And then if they are confused, you definitely should call a family member. But if they're eight or times four, they might tell you, hey, don't worry about it. You don't got to call anybody. I'm completely fine. I know I know what's going on. You don't got to notify anybody. Don't wake anybody up. Oh, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. But if, like I said, if they're confused or in the ICU or they're critically ill, you should definitely notify somebody Yeah. in the family. Step number six, you're going to make that patient a fall risk forever, depending on how your hospital does things. You might make a note outside of the door, change his fall risk score in the chart or change it on the door, whatever your policy does. In the previous contract, it worked. It was like a little flip thing, right? Mm. Fall risk, medium, low, high, and then you put it onto the door. Step number seven, you're going to chart exactly what happens. That's make your note that's covering you and provide both objective and subjective data with time, if you can, on exactly what happened in the event. Yeah, don't be too specific here because you don't really know what happened. If a patient tells you what happened, don't say patient fell because they got lightheaded. Just write patient fell and stated this. Just because you weren't there, you didn't you didn't visibly see what happened. And I know you might be correct, but just in case you're not, you're better off just covering yourself. Sometimes you're better off leaving it real broad instead of trying to get into details of why you think they fell, how they fell. You don't you don't need any of that. Just literally chart and note what happened. And that's all because you were not there during during the fall. And you're not with, we'll continue to monitor. Yes, sir. And the last step, uh, number eight, is to file an incident report based on how your hospital does it as well. And just, again, document those events so people that are in leadership could understand the event situation and create action steps or interventions to prevent that from happening in the future and in the organization as a whole. And what are the most common reasons why a patient falls, why patients fall? So I actually, we actually looked it up online. And what's interesting to see is that the first couple searches that you get off Google are from law firms and they have their list of why patient falls. And then when you scroll down a little further, then you get like the JCO, the more of the hospital, more of the healthcare viewpoint on why patient patients fall, which was which was really interesting because because I, I was thinking like why why is there like a little bit of discrepancy between what law firms are saying the reasons our patient falls and why the healthcare system are saying the patient falls is because law firm is writing it in, in a way 
to make it seem that you have something to charge the, ho- the hospital yeah, with. There's a blame. Facility. Yeah, there's a blame. They, they have an incentive to write things a, a certain way versus the healthcare community doesn't really have that financial incentive. They have more of a closer viewpoint and a better understanding of what actually happens in a hospital versus law firms, they have a better understanding of, of law, all that kind of stuff. So you're going to have a little bit of a discrepancy here. So let's talk about what the, the law firm first provided. So some most common reasons for falls are failure to call a nurse for assistance. Always, of course, because we always tell nurse uh, patients when you orient them, hey, let us know if you need anything, use this call light, don't get out of bed on your own. There's also the bed, uh, bed exit alarm is not set. I think that's something that we're trying to do more of like change of shift report in some hospitals. I mm-hmm. notice where we're making sure to see if it's on. Sometimes those striker beds, they have a specific light, whether it's orange or green, to even notify if it's on or off when you're making your rounds at night. So another reason why they might fall. Patients are on high-risk medication. That happens a lot. If they're on sedatives in the ICU, sometimes we have them on Presidex and other medications, or they're withdrawing, give them an Ativan, maybe even getting an Ambien or melatonin for sleep could mess them up and make them delirious mm-hmm. at night. They could cause things. So... Yeah, we're a hospital, we give medications, so just be aware of what your patient is on because that could provide a risk for fall. Mm. Inaccurate assessment, so that's maybe change of shift, maybe what the other nurse tells you, things get missed, you don't realize how much of a fall risk this patient actually is. Uh, there's a delayed response when a nurse is called, so that again goes to the call light, maybe the bed alarm is on and we're not getting there in time. And that kind of carries over into the nurse and staff shortage. If there's low staff working really hard, there's no CNAs, well, the bed alarm might be ringing out a little bit longer mm-hmm. and it might take us some time to run there. But man, for all the nurses out there, like we run there to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. So we genuinely do care about our patients. Slippery falls or slippery floors and surfaces. So we put patients on a non-slide uh, slippers or socks, I should say, geez. But just be careful whatever's on the floor. That's clearly a risk. Inefficient work environments. So again, that's just not being aware and uh, critically thinking or being detail-oriented to know when alarms are off or other things that uh, create issues and poorly lit and obstructed views. I feel like that's more of a night shift thing. You tell the patient to go to sleep. They forgot to put their bed alarm or their call light on, or they don't want to even put the light on in the room. They try to get up on their own, which goes back to the failure to call for a nurse and leads to issues, man. Yeah, yeah. And like we really try. We really try our hardest. Like everybody runs in, in that room. If you see a patient stand up, everyone's in that room. If the alarm goes off, there's even more people in that room. So what Matt stated, those were the the most common reasons that the law firms gave that, that patient falls. Uh, the next list over, over here that I'll go through is written by the Joint Commission and other healthcare facilities and other healthcare uh, commissions that actually look at, at the research and see what are the most common reasons patients fall. Uh, the first one is fall risk assessment issues. So that could be anything from somebody completing the fall risk assessment inaccurately. Those are those could be the uh, discrepancies between the way I rate a patient versus the rate the way Matt rates a patient, and also inconsistency in inconsistency in those tools. So. We have these tools, these assessments, these little abbreviations for these fall assessment things, but they're not bulletproof. Just because a patient has a low fall score doesn't mean necessarily that he's always going to be low, low for falls. And just because this patient is a high risk for falls doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to be a high risk. So there isn't always a really good 
system or rating system in place to accurately assess a patient because there's been a bunch of times where a patient is, is a high risk for falls, but he's really actually fine versus when someone's been like a medium and a low and you know that they're, they're a little bit higher, you should keep an eye on them just because maybe they're a little bit more impulsive, but all the other categories are, are fine. But you know that just as impulsiveness is, is enough to get this patient to fall. But according to the fall assessment, everything else is low. That means it's low fall risk. So that's it's more of like a judgment call in, in that case. Yeah, and it makes sense how Joint Commission is saying that because I feel like in a previous contract, they're also honing in on this where they're doing audits on the Hester Davis falls mm-hmm. because if somebody falls and they were charted too low of a score and things happen, that could probably cur- could affect their magnet status or I don't know what Joint Commission does, tells you, hey, like you're charting this wrong. So interesting how that's a um, predictor of risk for falls. Mm-hmm. Another one is handoff communication issues. So this, I feel like, was a big player in the falls that they had in the Oakland hospital they worked at because they had eight-hour shifts instead of 12s. So the more more nurses, the more handoff report given, the more amount of it, the more switches, there's a higher, higher likelihood of something being missed. Yeah, information is lost. Yeah, information is lost in translation because it's going through more people, like a telephone game. Like if you line up 30 people and you whisper something in their ear, it's eventually going to get changed versus if you only have three people. So um, that is, is one of the issues. That's probably why one of the reasons why there is 12-hour shifts versus eight-hour shifts. It just benefits patient safety and, and handoff. And sometimes things get missed. It's an honest mistake. Sometimes I forget to tell you something or you forget to tell me something and it just it just, it just happens. It just, you're responsible for so much that that sometimes you just forget to say something in an assessment. Like maybe you're gonna, maybe the, you forgot to mention that the patient tried to get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning. Or maybe you, you said that for a wrong patient, but meant to say for, for this patient. Because if you, if you have zero metrics, you have like four or five, six patients, sometimes it's very easy for things to get kind of intermingled, intertwined, because you're always worried about these six patients, you're always thinking about them, where sometimes you, you forget that what happened to this patient, you get maybe flipped to a different patient. That's a, it's a common mistake I feel like I see in, in, in med surge. They tell you about something and they're like, oh, never mind. That was about room two, not three. Yeah. This is what happened in room three. Yeah, and, and to add on, especially getting a report from day shift, like they don't know when the patient sundowns, mm-hmm. how they are at night, if their Alzheimer's kicks in more dementia, whatever it is. So I feel like sometimes just night shift itself gives us a whole array of different patients or... Mm-hmm. How many times did you have IVs pulled off a patient or they're they're going crazy at like six o'clock, they're sleeping like angels and they're they're perfect for day shift. So handoff is tricky. We sometimes you don't get the full picture of what happens with the patient. So that's why having a good baseline assessment is important and then just uh hourly rounding mm-hmm. on your patient, which as you know is a very difficult thing having issues with staffing across, you know, across America. Mm-hmm. Another common cause of falls is toileting issues. This could be because you're putting somebody on a Lasix drip or giving them Lasix or any kind of diuretic and they have to frequently go to the bathroom and they don't have a Foley. So that's one contributor to, to falls. Another one is a patient had to use the bathroom but didn't hit the call light. They, they didn't seek for, for help. They thought they could do it by themselves and it was either a poor, poorly lit, lit environment or they... They thought they could do it, and guess what? They can't. Or they got up too fast, and and they fell because they had to go to the bathroom. So, toileting issues is one of the more common causes of why patients fall. 
Another issue is a call light issue. So if the patient did not know, forgot to, or chose not to use the call light in general, that's like, I think one of the main reasons why if there's alert patient, just communicate that. And a lot of the time, I feel like it comes down to autonomy. Patients mm. feel like they have so much autonomy. Even when my family member was in the hospital, it's just, they're just getting up on their own. They think that, you know, it's okay to do that. They don't understand the risk and severity of why we have these, you know, policies and procedures in place or don't want them to get up and have better alarms. So sometimes it's like, they feel like it, this is like some child game and they just kind of want to do things on their own. Even old grandmas, man, they give us like the most smack about this. Yeah. Call lights, come on, you know? Or even back to the toileting issue, it's like you close the door because they have privacy and you hear, you know, there's a little hit on the ray. You're like, oh, what's going on? You okay there, Miss Becky, you know? <laughs> right, you tell them that you get up to call before they get up and you hear the toilet flush. It's like, all right, you're already up. Yeah, kind of open the door. Your privacy's over, man. Yeah, yeah Miss Becky, I thought I told you to call before before you got up. It's like, yeah, but I've been doing this for 60 years, had no problem. It's like, I know, but you know, my manager wants me to always you know, watch out for you, make sure you don't fall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one that Jayco listed is education, organizational, culture issues. So that is the unit and the hospital as a whole. What are the standards of practice? Are they telling the nurses to use interventions such as checking call lights, maybe during hourly rounding, check up on their patients more frequently. So if there isn't good education to the nurses, then ultimately the organization as a whole is failing and that could increase the the risk of falls. I feel like this is like a less of an occurrence nowadays than, than before, just because hospitals are so on top of you having to chart this, you have to do this, managers come around and check the bed, bed alarm, charges are even looking and assessing if the bed alarm's on. Because because it's just, it's just been so engraved in us, this fall prevention stuff, that it's just, it's just like commonality. But, but of course, maybe the culture could be an issue if you're on a unit that maybe has like some stubbornness that have been there for years and years and years and don't want to, to change the way they practice nursing and they refuse to, to um, put bed alarms on or put all those high rails on. Because there, there's been a handful of times where there's a bunch of, for example, lift equipment. So it means to have a bunch of lift equipment, but the culture on the unit is to just lift it yourself. There's there's cranes, there's a there's like the Hoyer lifts that are in the rooms. But steady, steady, fast, steady, easy. Right, yeah. But sometimes the culture on the unit is to just not use them and to just do it the old-fashioned way. So that could also be an issue, but I feel like that issue isn't as predominant as it probably as it, as it used to be, unless you have those little bit of those stubbornness that really don't want to want to change. Another one that, that fits into this category is the patient's lack of awareness of, 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 of their fall risk. A patient might think that they're fine, they could do this, they could do, they could do that, but they really can't. They, put on, they got put on new medications and they think that they're not going to have any adverse effects to these medications, especially blood pressure medications. But guess what? Today might be the day where you stand up and you get dizzy. I know you haven't, haven't got dizzy in the last 10 years, but we just increased your dose likelihood of you standing up and getting dizzy is a little bit increased now, but they don't really understand that or they're not really aware of that or they, they're just like, you know, it's not gonna happen to me. But guess what? Sometimes it does and sometimes you end up on the floor. I agree, man. And the last one that Jayco mentioned is medical issues. So if the patient is on one or more risk, there's one on one or more medications that increase the risk of falls. So in the Hester Davis assessment, things are named now such as diuretics, laxatives because you have to go to the bathroom, narcotics, antipsychotics, or antihypertensives, which could lead to potentially a um, getting lightheaded mm -hmm. from being hypotensive. So all those medications 
uh, create fall risk. More than likely, your patient might be on one or two. So again, that's or just three or four. Three or four, yeah, five or six. So <laughs> just be careful of like what's happening with your patient and maybe some couple of nurses tips. I mean, just honestly, just get a good baseline assessment. I think the bed alarm is a big thing. If just mm. put the damn bed alarm on. I know it's annoying. I know it sucks checking sometimes, but just put it on and round on your patient as much as you can, depending on what unit you have on or talk to your CNA and delegate the hourly roundings to make sure everything's okay. And hopefully your patient doesn't fall. And if you, if your patient does fall, you heard the steps in this episode and it's not too bad. It's just going to be a learning experience, not, not to do whatever your mistake was again. Yeah. One of the best advice I could give to prevent falls for, for nurses is to always do your hourly rounding. I know it gets busy and you might feel like you don't have enough time to get in a patient's room, but before you sit down, just make sure to peek in all your patients' rooms just to just to make sure everything is okay. Just to make sure you're safe and to make sure they're safe and also do a proper assessment and keep doing assessments when things start to change because you might notice a little bit of a change with your patient, but then when you do a full assessment again, you might notice that, hey, this little change is actually a drastic thing. They might say something off just by, just by a little bit, they might say something funny or something weird and you might just ignore it. But if you would have ignored it and you would have just assessed their anal status, you may would have realized that, hey, this patient is a little bit more confused than I remember them being confused. So do your alley rounds and do your proper assessments, guys. Yeah, I was going to add on, I don't know if, do the walkers or the belts help at all? The belts? You know, the belts, you just do the belt, you could hold your patient from the back and you could just carry them with. It's a little bit more of a safe uh, safety mm-hmm. harness, so... If you feel like you got a patient that's just unsteady, put a, one of those belts on for them. Yeah, gate belt. Yeah, the gate belt, yes. I don't think I've used that one in too long time, but I see PT and OT using them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they're uh, sometimes hanging on the, this not the sterile cup, the sterile processing, the, the sharps containers, I'll just put one on and slip one on depending on like what's happening, what the situation is. Yeah, respectable. Look at you doing your due diligence. And yeah, yeah. Being a patient advocate and all for anti-falls right here yeah man i didn't get my daisy award but i'm getting my daisy award through sharing good nursing knowledge and experience on the podcast you, <laughs> you should she's like you should be a leader of the falls committee on the next, <laughs> next thing you work at yeah if your hospital needs some fall prevention hit me up i'll be here i'll help them out all right guys we'll see you on the next one hope you guys enjoyed this episode peace and love bye-bye see you next week <laughs>